Hello, everybody. Once again, this is Pete Sanchez, and you are listening to Talking Catholic, the official podcast of the Catholic community of South Jersey. I am staff writer and social media coordinator for the Catholic Star-Herald newspaper. And once again, this is my compadre, my amigo, Michael Walsh, Director of Communications for the Diocese. Michael, how are you today? I am well today, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm joyful. Okay. All, all is well. Joyful. You're, you're, we've now, uh, you know, we record these a little bit ahead of, or a little bit behind of, uh, ahead of when uh, we actually put them out. Um, so how is the, uh, how was your Ash Wednesday, which was yesterday? Ash Wednesday was, actually, I, I have a story to tell you. Um, oh, I love a good story. It was interesting because uh it's always wonderful. Every Ash Wednesday, the bishop celebrates Mass. Bishop Dennis Sullivan celebrates uh, noon Mass at the cathedral, beautiful Cathedral Immaculate Conception in Camden. And somebody uh, yesterday morning asked me if I wanted to ring the church bells. And I said, what do I do? <laughs> so basically, it was pretty amazing. It was, I uh, went up to the choir loft and then entered a nether room. And there's a rope that is basically just comes through a hole in the ceiling. So I did not, I heard the bells, I did not see the bells. But it was such an experience to do that because, you know, church bells have such a history through the Catholics, the Anglican. You know, they, they're a call to prayer. And, you know, sometimes you do it for the Angelus or the Lord's Prayer uh, in tradition. So for me, it... uh Reflecting on it, I, I did it before Mass and after Mass. Rang them for about two minutes. My arms are a little sore today. <laughs> uh, the guy uh, who directed me to um, kind of scared me a bit. The guy who who I went up with, he was kind of tutoring me. He said, watch out that you don't pull your arm out of your socket when you ring the bells. And that I quote him. And so I was like, wow, I didn't know that was a possibility. You know, um, I will admit to the fact that uh, the reason you rang the bell is because uh, I couldn't because they, they usually asked me to do it. And one other person uh, had already hurt his elbow not doing that, but doing something else. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, the first time I did it, I was talking to our, uh, our director of ministry and or liturgy, uh, Steve Obarski, and he kind of he he took it uh, as a as a positive sign that the director of communications was ringing the bells because he as he put it it was one of the f- that that uh, the ringing of the bells was one of the first communicate mass communication tools that, that existed in society because it, the reason you would ring the bells was to alert people to what whatever was going on and he thought it was somehow appropriate that the director of mm. communications was one yanking the bell it also helped that you know I'm 260 pounds and six two so it's pretty easy for me to, to to ring the bell but you're right you you don't catch that bell on the right upswing, that will absolutely pull your arm out of your oh, side. Those are big bells. And I will I will tell you, one, Steve Obarski was the guy who told me about pulling my arm out of socket. And two, you stole my whole spiel about communicating through the ringing of the bells. So thank you. Hey, I was no going problem. to mention that, but once again, Michael, you steal my Don't, thunder. Listen, you you like to tell a story. I'm a PR guy. I, I go right to the point. You know, I, I'm not into this begin beginning, middle, and end. It's like, oh, what do you need to know? Here, I'll tell you. Oh, I'm, I'd love just get me around a campfire. We'll be there for hours. Yeah, no. Well, I'll do that, but I'll listen to you. I'm a terrible storyteller, so, and I, I admit that, uh, you know, as a communications guy, uh, the, the spoken word is not uh, really my cup of tea. I like interviewing people who get to, who are much better orators than I am, like the guy we have with us today. Uh, yes, speaking of orators, uh, he's 
and you know, it's Michael Jordan, Lasky. Sorry, I, I was about to say we have Michael Jordan on the podcast, but I bet you he's never heard that joke before. No, well, I think he. I welcome that joke. I th- uh, <laughs> when yeah, we, my wife and I got married, and we came. I ch- somebody. The backstory there is my wife. Her maiden name is Jordan, so I took it as part of my last name. So now I'm Michael Jordan Lasky. When we got married and came in to the reception, we used the music the Chicago Bulls used to use to introduce <laughs> the players when Michael Jordan was on the team. So I fully embrace this. I wear Air Jordan basketball shoes when I play. I fully have taken this on proudly. I like it. <laughs> well, you heard it from the man himself, Michael Jordan Lasky. He is um, the uh, director of Life and Justice Ministries for the Diocese of Camden. He's been since 2012. And 2015, you were named vice chancellor for the Diocese of Camden, where you work, you're basically the bishop's personal representative to communities, priests, parishes, and Camden, uh, you know, helping the city, you know, in, as, a, as a regards decisions about the city and its people, especially those uh, whose voices aren't heard. Um, so, welcome, Mike. How are you today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. A little blustery, kind of kicked back into winter after some summery days, but uh, no, doing well. Oh, good. Good. So, first off, um, where are you from? I am. That's all the way back. I grew up in New I'm from New Jersey, but the other part of New Jersey uh, called Central Jersey, which to our listeners does exist. Down here, I found in South Jersey, people say it doesn't exist, that there's North and South. No, Central is its own distinct region. I grew up uh, near Princeton, New Jersey, um, and uh, was there. My folks are from North Jersey up near New York, so I'm a New York partisan in most sports. Um, Grew up there. my, my mom, one of 10, Irish Catholic family, eight brothers, kind of classic uh, mid-century Irish Catholic family. And my dad is Jewish, one of two, mm. uh, very different background. And, and they came together and met uh, as lawyers right after law school. Um, and uh, from the beginning, our family has been all about like, uh, you know, bringing these traditions together. So I grew up with, um, again, with a Jewish dad and Catholic mom. We were Catholic, my two siblings and I. Um, but we always, you know, we celebrated the Jewish holidays. So when I was really young, the best part of that was in December because you get Hanukkah and Christmas together, which means like a lot more presents, right? We usually, like, we oh, would man. just usually just get socks for Hanukkah. But like we would have that. But then um, when I got older and then you would see uh, in the springtime when Passover and Easter came together, uh, those often fall, you know, really close together. Um, the I loved how both traditions, you know, kind of celebrated these big uh, moments, and they had some similar themes, especially themes around uh, the idea of God who hears His people suffering. Uh, you know, in the story of Passover, you know, the story of the Exodus, God hears the Israelites enslaved in Egypt, you know, upset about that and suffering, and cries out to them Him for help, and so He sends Moses and then helps lead the people out of Egypt, and then uh, through, of course, and. The Easter story, that great story of redemption and freeing us, you know, from sin through uh, the you know death and resurrection of Jesus. So seeing those things come together really helped for and for me growing me from a young age this real passion for um, trying to follow God's call to care for those who were hurting, as we see in both the Easter and the uh, Passover stories. So from all the way back in the beginning, as I think is kind of what started me on this path to toward ministry, uh, my family. 
And, and you speak more about that path. So you, uh, where did you go to high school? So I went to a public high school in, in central New Jersey in uh, Montgomery Township, which is near Princeton. But we had a really great active parish youth group. I went to St. Charles Barameo Parish in the Metuchen Diocese. And we had uh, just a really dynamic youth minister named Sean. And he took us on week-long uh, service trips in the summer. We actually came down here to Camden for one of those trips, went to Mexico, to Appalachia, and Kentucky, a uh, chance to meet people who were living on the margins of society and get to know them and spend some time with them. And uh, through those experiences, you know, even as a 15-year-old kid, it was kind of seeing, wow, we came, you know, for instance, to Camden that one summer and, and met kids from the city who were hoping if they, you know, worked really hard and things broke their way, they might become the first person in their family to graduate from high school and maybe go on to college if they were really lucky. And just realizing, wow, like for me, coming from this suburban community in central Jersey, we were all, you know, going to college. From the time we were born, that was set up for us, right? And so learning that here are these kids who were so, so similar to me in some ways, but whose lives have been so different even though we grew up in like in the same state. So for me, there was even on that week when I was 15, you know, this question, this realization that, wow, there are some things about this world that just aren't the way God would want them to be. That there are people that because of where they're born just don't have the same type of opportunities I have. So even from then, been kind of chasing that question since I was a you know, high school youth ministry kid, you know, what do we do about that then? If we believe that God loves everyone, what do we do uh, about things in the world that aren't fair? Um, and so it's been chasing that uh, since then, but uh, so really formative, important experiences in our high school youth group, and then nurtured by my family as well, and kind of gave me the the passion for this work. And what? Where were you in Kentucky? We went to actually a place where your alma mater, Pete, went uh, uh, through St. Joe's. We went to the Phelps uh, area Habitat for Humanity uh, near the West Virginia border, and got to meet the community there and work on some uh, housing projects. And again, just uh, another. A culture kind of a world away and often forgotten you know just live in this very rural area but dealing with you know really extreme poverty and um, hearing their stories really rich culture there and um, so yeah powerful experiences to see other parts of the world and to learn how other people are living and the challenges they face that's interesting you say phelps mike because uh you were talking about appalachia and at saint joe's my alma mater i did participate my junior year in project appalachia and we were supposed to go to phelps but that fell through somehow. We ended up going to Hazard, Kentucky. And uh, we called ourselves the Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> kind of, even though it's spelled differently uh, than the show. But the same kind of, we saw the poverty. We saw the, uh, remember helping, you know, just people. We, and it was such an experience. And even you're talking about Camden. I grew up in Cherry Hill, suburban kid. Um, and it's it's about 20 minutes cherry hill and camden it couldn't be more different and just so with uh and you went to notre dame for school and also you were an echo apprentice can you speak about that because we, we have four echo apprentices now in our diocese that we've had that program but in, and you were in milwaukee that's right. So ECHO is a graduate school program in theology through the University of Notre Dame. And what you do is you go and study in the summertime to, toward a master's in theology. And then during the academic year, they send you out in small groups to different dioceses in the country. You live together in a community. Then you each have your own parish where you work in a really wide variety of ministries. So I got sent to Milwaukee with two other guys and I had a, a suburban parish there, not unlike where I grew up. 
Um, and I got to do a whole bunch of different things there. It was really exciting. Uh, I got to take a, help lead a group to Ecuador on a kind of service immersion trip. I taught fourth and fifth grade uh, religious ed. I started a music group. I mean, you got to do all kinds of different nice. different types of things. Uh, so it's a great experience to see kind of what you know parish ministry is like, uh, you know, in the, in the day-to-day uh, world. Um, so I did that two years. That's two-year program. And yeah, they have partner dioceses all over the country for ECHO, including here in Camden, on our third cohort now coming through the program. Hmm. Um, so that's been a real blessing to the church here in, in South Jersey to have those uh, young women who have come through. Um, but yeah, so that was two years of parish experience in, in Milwaukee. Uh, drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of cheese during those two years. Nice. Uh, again, really interesting to see another part of the country where uh, you know, the, the church situation is there. Um, and got to learn a lot, and then yeah, came back east after uh, those two years. And when uh, and how long from Echo did you get this job in Camden? Sure. So I, I came back, and my first job was so that youth minister of mine I had mentioned, Sean. He had started a nonprofit to kind of run those service trips in the summer for high school and middle school kids on a broader, wider scale than he had done just through our parish. So he had started a nonprofit to do that up in the Trenton Diocese. So I came back and started uh, part-time with them. And through them, I was also a parish youth minister, the Church of St. Anne up in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, which is uh, near Trenton. And uh, so we kind of had those two roles there. And during the summertime, again, we'd be leading these trips for hundreds of students a summer, all summer long, and got to kind of help lead those trips and put those together. so I did that for a couple of years. Um, then my, my wife and I were, were getting married, now wife, and getting married. Uh, we bought a house in September and got married in October. And then on our honeymoon, I had got the uh, phone call about an offer to start here at the diocese. Um, so we kind of ripped the Band-Aid off and did all those things at one time and, and came back and then started in uh, right after our honeymoon uh, here in the diocese. Um, so I've been here, yeah, just over four years now, which is hard to believe. Uh, I feel like pe- pe- people in our like, generation uh, often are like in a place one or two years and then moving on. A lot of our peers do that. And I've now been here four years, which is hard to believe. But um, it's been great. I you always wonder, you know, you go to a diocese. A di- is the diocese a place where like there's so much bureaucracy that like nothing can happen? That was my fear. But then I came here to Camden and I like that we are a pretty small diocese and we have flexibility. We can try new things. We have great leadership. So if I want to try a new project, usually it's just like sending one email up to Father Hughes, my boss, and say, hey, Father Hughes, I want to try this project. What do you think? And he says, great, try it. So it's been a, a lot of fun to get to experiment and um, don't ever feel like we you know, get held back because we're you know, here in a diocese. So, uh, yeah, I love the work. And, and speak about one of the initiatives that's coming up. Uh, uh, it's been around for a few years, is Faithful. Uh, and that's, that's coming up. Um, it's really amazing. These past couple of years, if you don't know, it's one day where schools, parishes, Individuals are encouraged to uh, come together to for to bring canned goods to help uh, the poor, and I've seen there's been trucks that pull out of high schools, and so speak a bit about that. Yeah, so Faithful Food Drive coming up in our fourth year. Uh, the idea for that actually came out of a Holy Family Parish, and then they reached out to the diocese and say, hey, why don't we try this? Uh, what if we came all together for one big food drive on one day, like really focused on one day and see how much food we could raise? That's one thing I love about the Catholic community is that we're doing this work all year round, right? Churches are collecting food. They're distributing it out of their own local pantries. They have St. Vincent de Paul societies that are doing this all the time. The idea was, though, like, 
what if we all came together? Because as one family of faith, like we can just do so much more than if we did one parish over here or one school over there. Um, So it's something that people have really responded well to. we really get almost everyone participating. Some parishes, you know, they, they donate it into Catholic charities or to one of the food bank partners. Others keep it, keep the food donations for their own local outreach and all part, again, this one big effort. Um, yeah. And it's really fun to see the creativity around it. We have, you know, different churches really take it and run with it and, and schools. Uh, you know, some of the schools, uh, like I think Paul VI did this one year, um, they charged like a can, uh, along with the admission to a high school basketball game, they charged a can of food for admission and collected food that way. Um, there's one parish where uh, the youth group kind of ran it, and they got the whole parish involved, and there's a kid who had a, a Campbell's Chunky Soup costume. And so oh. he wore the costume, <laughs> to like, and he, the week before, he passed out uh, grocery bags and told people to bring them back and had this great look. And then the, the bit, he was on the front page of the Star Herald in this Chunky Soup costume, and the bishop saw him, and every time the bishop sees him now, he's like, oh, Chunky Soup. How's it going, <laughs> Chunky Soup? Uh, so you see just the great energy around it. Um, and you see, like, the, how people, when they're invited to um, participate in something like this, just they really want to get involved. They, you know, just to give generously to uh, realize, I think, we try to help people realize, you know, the, the need for food is so great uh, around the world for sure. And even in our own communities, um, there's some estimates that the food banks use. That they say, like, in our six county region, one in six people uh, are struggling with food insecurity, including one in five kids. So like 20% of kids, and food insecurity means like you're maybe not knowing where your next meal is coming from. And so that's a problem that a lot of folks in our own parishes, and our own schools, you know, they, they face, they, they struggle with that in a real way. So we need these organizations like Catholic Charities, like the food banks we work with, like these small pantries to help, you know, meet some of those needs. Again, it's often, it's kind of... It's not easy to see. We don't see it. It's not as dramatic as, you know, you see a commercial with like people, you know, starving overseas. You know, it's not that because we're here in the U.S. and we're blessed as a country. But it's happening in a lot of places for people who just don't have enough healthy food to live well. Um, so the, we do this, again, as a kind of extension of our, our faith, our call to care for those uh, who are hurting. And um, we, we like it when, when we have it here in the springtime because kind of after those Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays when they really peak in their donations, this is a time when a lot of the pantries are kind of more bare. So here's our, our one way of kind of trying to step up and fill that need um, and aiming for uh, 150,000 pounds of uh, food this year, which, again, oh. just so much more than any one uh, small church could do itself, which is why, again, one reason I love Catholic Church. We're a big family. When we get together and do stuff, uh, we can do a lot. Especially during Lent, during this time, remember God's love for us and and how we are called to reflect and bring that love to others. And that is such a great way to be able to do that, to help our brothers and sisters. Yeah, I love the Lenten buy-in, like, I mean, the Lenten uh, combination um, with faithful, because we have those, like, uh, the Lenten practices, prayer, fasting and almsgiving yeah. right and so sometimes when i think about lent i like will do a prayer over here and then i'll fast from like <laughs> coffee over there or some candy bar i like and then i'll like give money somewhere but what faithful kind of does is it lets us maybe for part of lent really put the focus right on food uh, and do all three of those practices around the idea of food so say for instance your uh, prayer maybe it's uh, during this time preparing for the food drive you're praying for people who are hungry you're praying at maybe at mealtime like for grace you're remembering those who are hungry and those who prepared help bring the food to your table um, so you work that into your prayer life then you're fasting maybe it is a food item like if it's sweets or soda or coffee or you know I go to like you go to Starbucks and spend like five bucks on a cup of coffee right that's crazy um, so maybe I'm like fasting from that 
and then part of that fast, I'm saving some money, right? And then that the alms, maybe then I'm buying uh, canned food or peanut butter or whatever for the faithful food drive. Yeah. See there, so you can like wrap all three of those, pra- connect them all together around something like food. So the faithful, um, the, the season that really, that, that makes a nice uh, faith connection for us as well. Uh, let's people kind of use that as part of their Lenten practice. Like a Lenten triangle. Yeah, I, I call it the Lenten loop sometimes, but it really is more of a triangle. But could we be intentional? Can we do all three of those things around the theme? Um, and Pope Francis talks about this all the time, you know, kind of quoting from Isaiah. We don't fast just for the sake of not eating something or giving something up. That's part of it. But we're here in the prophet Isaiah. The fasting that I wish is taking care of the hungry, um, is that maybe we're not hoarding as much stuff as we need, so we have more to take care of those who are in need. And so that goes right hand in hand with fasting. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great a great way to, to get involved in Lent. And when is that going to be the Faithful Food Drive? Faithful Food Drive, that's right. Uh, Sunday, April the 2nd, um, okay. so right before uh, Palm Sunday, week before Palm Sunday. Uh, and we're trying to make it easy for people. So you just, if you're going to church, you bring food with you to church, you drop it there, and then each parish has a group of people who coordinate it, and then they get it to the food banks or they get it to their own food pantries. Uh, and then we uh, do the couple weeks of uh, arithmetic to find out uh, how many pounds we collected and uh, see if we hit our goal. So we've exceeded our goal every year, and we keep raising it. So I get a little nervous when we raise <laughs> the goal that we're not going to hit it. But um, the number one tip, if people are listening before the food drive, the number one tip if you at your parish or school pass out empty paper grocery bags a week or two weeks before the drive and ask people to fill those bags and bring it back, you're going to set a record easily. Uh, all of our top parishes collecting, they all do that. They pass out the bags. Some grocery stores will just give them to them for free because they like the business, right? So, um, so just pass out those bags, ask people to bring them back, and that's like the number one ticket to great success. So. There's my, my little hack, life hack for the food drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, this will be going up uh, before the Faithful Food Drive, so we'll make sure we get it out there. There we go. Very there good. Thank you. No problem. The, um, now, now, a lot of what you do, you know, it, you, I, you have a very multifaceted job within the diocese. I've, you, know, you and I sort of work in the same circles in the sense that I end up going everywhere. And what I find is that because I have to go everywhere is oftentimes there's a Michael Jordan Lasky there as well. You've, you've worked with Catholic charities for a lot of their initiatives. You've worked in the city of Camden for their initiative. You know, what sort of drives you in addition to always wanting to try new things, what kind of drives you into these areas um, beyond sort of, you know, what you told us before about uh, growing up, like now that you've seen, you've been here four years, you know, did you, do you feel like there were holes you could fill? There were things that just weren't being tried because maybe not no there wasn't anyone as progressive as you here like sort of where does that sort of come from i think it's just always looking for opportunities and and seeing what comes up and, and trying to be responsive um to what's going on in the world and going on in the diocese around us and and seeing um how we might make an impact or help people kind of practice their faith it seems you know for instance right now there's been a lot of questions about immigration and refugees our catholic charities you know they they resettle refugee families from all over the world who are looking for you know safety and peace and new life here in the states and so um, they you know they do that work and so we see then and i hear from you know folks who work in our parishes there's a new interest in this since you know there's questions of uh, refugees and we're welcoming them and vetting and um, all those questions around migration have come up recently a lot in, you know, even in the secular news. And so how do we, what do we do as faith communities? So you see interest there. So trying to respond again to what, whatever interest or need there might be. And also, again, we know that there are some people who 
are like really passionate about caring for the unborn and we want to really we want to nurture that and uh try to help resource that and so we're going to be out you know praying in front of the abortion clinics um you know especially around the 40 days for life in the fall um the food drive we know that there are people who are really passionate about you know feeding the hungry and we know that there are people who are really passionate about international issues so we want to try to facilitate uh, people you know either getting to travel overseas or maybe having guest speakers from around the world who can come in and, and give talks so one thing i love about the catholic tradition is that it's so diverse in what it cares about when it comes to protecting the poor and vulnerable i mean we do it all right from the moment of conception all the way until natural death every moment in between and we have this opportunity and this real privilege as disciples to really respond to God's call who says, you know, be my hands and feet in the world, a chance to reach out in compassion uh, to those who are hurting. So there's so many ways in which we can do that and so great ways, important ways that the world needs. So I just try to be wherever we can do that, any way that makes sense, just try to be out there doing it. You know, one of the things that, uh, in addition to the good work you've done uh, all throughout the diocese, uh, you are not an, a difficult person to find online either, in the sense that uh, you are a regular writer for a number of publications. Um, so, what um, you know, what sort of inspires you to write? You know, do you see a topic and then decide to do two thousand words on it? You know, what, what sort of as a write as writer to writer? You know, what sure. sort of uh, informs your writing? It's funny because when I I kind of heard this call to ministry before that when I was in college. I thought I might I want to be a sports writer and like be a beat writer and follow around the New York Yankees. And that was like a career goal. And then I was thinking, oh, if I do in this ministry world, like this ministry call, am I not going to be able to write? Because I loved writing. And I realized pretty quickly that, no, there's great opportunities uh, to write in the Catholic world about, you know, these important issues. Um, and so I've had, you know, the opportunity to do some of that, uh, which I really enjoy. I get to keep doing. Um, again, I always try to, <laughs> it always puts me up against deadlines. But if I have a column, <laughs> I know that's coming out, you know, on a Thursday and they need it on a Tuesday. I kind of usually wait until like the weekend before maybe to see what's going on in the world, right? Like that's always, I always try to keep it relevant to um, whether it's, so Lent's coming up. So what can we reflect on this Lent? Or um, there's like around the election, there's something that was coming. So writing about that or uh, even writing about like the basketball playoffs when they're happening and like finding <laughs> connections to faith within that um, is always just kind of scanning. I'm like obsessed with reading stuff. It's probably dangerous. I'm giving up my phone at home during Lent, like I'm gonna like put it away. So I'm not always on Twitter scrolling through reading things because it's really dangerous because there's always more, right? There's mm -hmm. always, always mm -hmm. more. Um, but I have like a wide range of interests, try to keep up on things and then just respond and offer a, maybe a Catholic perspective on an issue that's like the whole world is kind of wrestling with or community is wrestling with um, to bring the, the faith voice there. So again, it's all about, similar to my work, just can we be responsive to what's happening? Can we be paying attention to what's going on around us and then offer some response? I think, uh, thanks for sharing that, but for mentioning the Yankees, I do not know if we can invite you back. It's my, no. my, my only shot. I know where I am. It's, uh, Bishop Sullivan and I are the two Yankee fans, and we hold okay, it down, no. but otherwise it's a threat. Oh, it's well, better than the Mets, though, right? I mean, the Phillies hate the Mets more than yeah. the Yankees. Oh, yes, yeah. I think, um, and I, fine, you use a Bishop Sullivan card. Okay, I think you're, you're, you're fine. Um, I, you know, it's funny, I took kind of the same track. I wanted to be a sports writer, but for the Phillies. Jason Stark, now with ESPN, was my favorite writer. And I thought about sports writing, and then now here I am writing as well, you and I for, for the Catholic Church. And But I do like the intersection of spirituality and sports and how it. Uh, there are certain, you know, I'm drawn to, I guess, they're Catholic. Uh, Andrew Bailey 
Catholic uh, from Paul VI, Yankee, and a Philly. So that was pretty neat. That's um, so for one. Okay, we'll we'll keep you here, even though you don't root for <laughs> the right. Phillies. Thank you. I was but, nervous for a second. <laughs> and uh, but speak so with uh, with your role as vice chancellor. That's you've that was a newly created position in the Diocese of Camden. What exactly are are you on the ground a lot? Are you making a lot of phone calls? <laughs> yeah, so that's um. Uh, a really interesting role, um, have a chance to represent the diocese in conversations about uh, about Camden, so the city of Camden. So there's a lot happening in Camden um, through uh, a lot of economic development that's coming in. I was talking to someone who works in uh, kind of real estate development here who said it's like Sim City right now. If you come downtown Camden, you see just buildings popping up everywhere. Subaru's brand new headquarters out on Admiral Wilson Boulevard, uh, close to Campbell Soup. Yeah. Uh, you have this huge uh, Holtec headquarters. You know there'll be nuclear power-related stuff uh, going on there, kind of on this South Camden on the waterfront. Uh, the 76ers basketball team, they built their new headquarters. They're using that now. So you have all these mm-hmm. things that are just popping up everywhere with more in the works. And, um, and I think the, the question then is, okay, so what does that mean for the future of the city? What kind of impact will that have on current residents? Will it create new opportunities or new threats or both? Um, so I think Bishop Sullivan wanted the church to be involved in some of those conversations to think about the future of the city. Um, so, yeah, that means uh, getting a chance to kind of meet with, with people who are involved in different ways. We, we've hosted some networking lunches uh, back in the fall here just to get people into people who are doing good work for different nonprofits to learn about. Yeah, we did one on uh, on housing. We did one on uh, environmental work. Is you know there are a lot of environmental issues in the city. Uh, it's just a chance to have people to listen to a talk and to come together and, and chat. So we've done some of that here uh, through that role. Um, really interesting meeting just recently uh, with folks from the county, and, and they're going to start a new homelessness initiative because you know homelessness is a issue that we we uh, deal with here in Camden. They're trying to improve their services there and help direct people who want to get involved uh, working with the homeless community in a way that's really effective. Um, because we know sometimes, despite best intentions, um, this doesn't happen out of a lot of our Catholic churches, but from some places, folks who just kind of who come in and don't really connect with any of the authorities or services in Camden and kind of freelance and uh, ends up leading to kind of some more uh, issues than it helps solve. And so we're looking for like longer term solutions to homelessness issue. And uh, so they want the faith communities help uh, around that. So I got to you know have big conversations about, OK, going forward, what are are ways that we can best address the root causes of, of homelessness in the city and, and other places in the region, and what role does the faith community have there? So it's a it's a neat thing to again learn about what's happening in the city, and again try to, to represent you know the voice of um, the church and what we care about, especially you know that those who are uh, on the margins or are not often listened to uh, have a voice. And one one of the things that uh, we we haven't mentioned yet, but you, you've had where we both. You've worked more extensively with it than I have, is the Romero Center. And that is amazing. Just that is in ministry of St. Joe's Pro Cathedral in, uh, I don't know what part of Camden that's. That's not South Camden. East Camden. East Camden. Thank you. And you speak about that. I just love it. They have a big sign on it that says, when you walk in, I've been on retreats there. It says, you say you know the poor, name them. And that is, that's just stuck with me. Because that ministry is just it, doing a lot and with different – you speak about because they do a lot of youth. A lot of youth groups come in there, yeah. and it's really, it's really making an impact in the city. Yeah, so Romero Center Ministries um, 
They, it's an urban retreat center where groups come in for, they participate in some community service and reflection and prayer and learning about our, our Catholic social teachings that are calling us you know, out to the margins and calling us to make the world closer to God's dream for it. Um, and they have, you know, over a thousand, between one and two thousand, mostly young people a year who come through, also some adult groups, but high schools, colleges from all over the country, you know, who come to Camden and spend some time, get to know the community. They're in an old convent over there at St. Joe Pro Cathedral. Um, and it's a really special place for me because that's where, again, when I came when I was 15, such a big uh, transformative week for me. And then uh, my wife uh, used to work there uh, as well for a few mm-hmm. years, so we had some connection again, which was really neat mm-hmm. to see. Um, so they just do, again, they provide these experiences and they really hope to change people's lives like it did for me. And they're named for um, Blessed Archbishop Oscar Romero. So Oscar Romero was just beatified a couple of years ago in the Catholic Church. He was the Archbishop of San Salvador, which is the capital of El Salvador, in a time of real unrest in that country, a lot of violence, kind of a military dictatorship. Uh, people, Poor people especially were being killed or disappeared. And uh, he had been put in that position because he was seen as a kind of yes man, a company man who wouldn't rock the boat much. So they put him in that position. And that's how it kind of started for him. But then he had a priest friend, a Jesuit priest named Rutilio Grande, who was assassinated for working with the poor. And uh, that really uh, shook up Romero. And so he decided to uh, really start speaking out uh, as a prophet and would have these uh, sermons each week that were broadcast around uh, throughout the country on the radio, especially at a time where the military was really clamping down on any kind of uh, media that had a, a message that was, you know, uh, pro-peace or against the, the dictatorship, they really clamped down. So this was one of the only ways that people could, you know, could hear this news of the church uh, that it's caring for those who were, who were hurting and those who were poor. So he had this big conversion. And he actually ultimately, in, in 1980, he was assassinated while saying mass um, because he had been such a powerful voice uh, for and with those who were, again, on the, on the margins of society. Um, so his story was one of conversion. He had this experience and had a big conversion in his life. And so the Romero Center hopes that when people come in, meet the people of Camden, learn about it, that they will then return to their homes changed, like Oscar Romero was changed. Um, and that, again, that's my own experience. It lines right up there. So they do great work. They have a great lecture coming up, too, uh, at the end of March, uh, March 24th at Rutgers Camden. Uh, Bishop okay. uh, Braxton from Belleville, Illinois, uh, one of the few black Catholic bishops in the country, is coming in to give us a talk on uh, the Catholic Church and the racial divide. Uh, I've heard him give that talk. It's just amazing. He's an amazing speaker, brilliant man. So uh, the Romero Center, their lecture, uh, March 24th, Rutgers Camden. Uh, you can get okay. info there. And I hope to see you at that. It's a neat, neat event. Are you going to do your meetup at the uh, Victor again? The Victor, uh, yeah. The people get together at the Victor Pub okay. just down the street afterwards. So. And I'm there. Pete's there. <laughs> Anytime Mike, there's a pint to be had. <laughs> and Mr. Walsh, will you be there? Uh, I will check my pint? calendar, but I, that would definitely be an event I'd like to go to. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's it's really wonderful. I was at the Romero lecture I, last year. I've been a couple of times, and it is great to, to you know to hear these voices and to uh, and uh, what strikes me about the Romero so you mentioned these schools, but they're not from New Jersey. They're from Virginia. They're from Green Bay or, or it just, it's amazing that they can come. It, it's an immersion experience. And, and like yourself, you know, you, but you were from central Jersey. Um, it's really, I mean, have you, what, what's been, have you been able to talk to high school, high schoolers? What is their reaction? Do they want to come back here? Yeah, like there, you, there's yeah. some great stories of kids who have the experience and then reconnect with Romero Center and or maybe with some of the young people they met and 
Um, there's a story of a kid, you know, doing a toy toy drive around the holidays to come back to support some of the families uh, through the parish at St. Joe Pro Cathedral. Um, so you see, they have those great stories there of people who have, you know, come through and then had these transformational experiences. And, and that's true, they, they, they do come from all over the country, and we're really working to try to get folks from our own diocese to go. I think sometimes there's that appeal to get away far from home, right? But we don't have to go far, you know, even within our own diocese. So uh, we always are inviting our youth groups or campus ministries to, to come on down to the Romero Center uh, to see, which again, just in their own backyard uh, and uh, how they might be uh, empowered to, to do something about it. And that's really one of the goals of this podcast is uh, to get the word out about what's going on in the diocese to, to folks who just might not be aware of it. Um, you know, we have a lot of communications vehicles that, that have been proven effective over the years, but we certainly know, particularly where young people are concerned, you know, they're big consumers of podcasts. We're trying to become a little bit more uh, aggressive in that in that route. So we certainly hope, you know, you being here will, will give that uh, give us some uh, some interest from from the younger folks because honestly that's where a lot of this energy comes from and we really we know you know as as media people as communications people that it's good to go where the energy is and 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 to to pull that energy together and then to focus it again which i think you've done a fantastic job in your role over the last four years i have a friend pat slater who works at christ our light church in cherry hill and she talks about the word pontiff like, you know, think about the Pope as the pontiff, but that word really means bridge builder, right? I think of like pontoon, right? That's like a sort of type of bridge. Um, So like to pontificate is to build bridges, uh, which I think, you know, being a pontificator is a good thing or a pontiff, right? It's good to pontificate in that way. Um, And so that's what I think our main job as diocesan people is. Like, can we help build bridges? Can we help connect? If someone calls me on the phone and says, oh, so I just got a call this week from a parishioner who said, you know, I'd love to learn more about what we can do to kind of help welcome newly arriving immigrants and refugees here. I don't know what's available even. Help me learn. So we're going to sit down and I can try to help connect him with different resources and things that are out there. Can we do that? Can we build bridges to help people? Because there is so much out there, right? There's so many things going on. People are so busy with so much stuff. Can we, as dioceses uh, in our churches, can we build bridges? Can we connect people with these experiences of service or experiences of faith that are powerful? And uh, so I think that's a, a great mission of uh, this podcast in other ways. Can we build bridges? Now, speaking of building bridges, as we come to the end here, uh, uh, my my colleague here has several questions he'd like to ask you. I don't know what that has to do with bridges, but I know. anyway, I, I, I couldn't nice come segue. up with a, I couldn't nice come segue. up with a good transition. So uh, we're bridging to the next section. There you we go. are. That's it. Um, well, first, well, before I get that, Mike, just just want to give a plug. How can people get to you? What is your website? How can, how can people? Like that individual who called you. How can people now, see, listen to this? See, look at that. This? That's see. This I trumped you the first time. You've trumped me this time because I was going to save that for the end. After the very, the very end. The very, um, very end when we do all the plugs. You, you're putting our plugs in the middle. How will people find them? Well, okay. Well, we'll wait to do the plug. <laughs> the teaser. There will be a plug. An <laughs> email address teaser, will yes. be read to you. This is a trailer for the plug <laughs> coming soon to your podcast. This podcast. This episode. Okay, Mike. So as a Mike Lasky, I. I'm going to have to call you Michael Walsh and Mike Lasky. Um, so, Mike, uh, being a fellow English major as wow. me, um, do you have a favorite word? A favorite word. Okay. Well, for the purposes of a Catholic podcast, I will tell you that my favorite <laughs> word, a word that I talk about in every talk I give, is the word compassion, which is a word that we hear a lot and we throw around. But the, ro- the root of the word compassion is really interesting 
because if you think of the word passion you see in there, now that means like any strong feeling you have about something. But a long time ago, it meant like really only a strong feeling of suffering. So you think about like the passion of the Christ, right? So a strong feeling of suffering. And then those letters C-O-M, Pete, when you see those letters C-O-M, what does that mean at the front of a word, Mr. English major? Come means with. With, exactly, right? So, uh, to, so the word compassion really means to suffer with someone, hmm. which I think is such a beautiful thing. And that I learned yeah. that in the book Compassion by Henry Nowen, a great spiritual writer. And mm-hmm. it talks about how in the world, when we see suffering of any kind, our temptation, first temptation is to turn away. You know, we, we don't want to be there because suffering is uncomfortable. But that we see in the life of Jesus, uh, whenever he saw someone suffering, he would move right to them. He'd physically move toward them. And even stay in the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the, remember that priest and the Levite who are going by and see the beaten man? They don't even look. They kind of stay on the other side. And the, the Good Samaritan physically moves toward the person who is suffering, um, which is that, that first move. And I think is what we're called to do when we see, again, someone in our family going through a difficult time or a neighbor or someone in our parish, or when we you know, learn about people who are around the world struggling uh, with things like hunger or homelessness or lack of health care. We, we move toward it. We move toward the suffering to spend time with people in their suffering and see how we can be present to them. So the word compassion, my favorite word. Well, that could not have been planned any better during this liturgical season. That was, of course, compassion, especially. So uh, you're a big movie buff like myself. You and I have had the opportunity to chat. We've been chatting over beers about different movies. What was, what was the last movie you saw? Oh, no. So this, my wife and I have a 19-month-old daughter, and this year – um, I saw none of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, but I did see several of the animated movies that were nominated for Best <laughs> Animated Movie, even though, but the thing is, our daughter's not even old enough to watch movies. So the other night, we were on Net, my, our daughter was asleep and we were clicking through Netflix and we saw um, Finding Dory, the Pixar movie, up, which had just got added to Netflix. And I don't know why, because we have this baby, we're doing kids stuff all the time, but we're like, oh, you know, it would be fun and relaxing watching this kid's movie. Um, so that's what we did. We watched Finding Dory, which like, as young parents, it's like a, the movie's like about kind of parents and kids, like, yeah. parent, like parents and kids separated. Like, we both kind of cried through that whole movie. Mm. No, young adult, young parents should never watch Pixar movies. I love Pixar movies, but the, all they, as soon as I became a parent, they all made me cry. Oh, yeah. Uh, Toy Story 3, it will just eviscerate you. It, it, it's terrible. But it's wonderful. It's so terrible. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, um, so, yes, we watched the kids' movie Finding Dory that made us weep openly for an hour and a half. Um, well done. Well done, Pixar. It's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, no, they, they have that way. They go right to it. So, uh, yeah, sadly, that's the last movie. We that's, saw. No, 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 you, that's exactly what you're supposed to be right. really sad about Pete that. Pete and I are Wes Anderson fans, so I have Yes. Uh, Wes, <laughs> I was just, yeah, Wes Anderson, uh, Rushmore, and the Royal Tenenbaums, amazing. Fantastic Mr. Fox, an oh, animated film. It's great. That was, I, I, the Grand Budapest Hotel, his last one, was. great ones. I mean, his, if you've ever read his screenplays, there's not a better screenwriter. Like, if you know Wes Anderson, I mean. I took a screenwriting course in college. I still every now and then pull out the Rushmore screenplay sure. that my teacher gave us. Oh, 
It's perfection. Great. And maybe um, one day I'll get to watch movies like that again, but probably not for a number of years. <laughs> you have to do what I do. Uh, I end up, uh, it's 1030 at night. Everyone's asleep. I run out to the movie theaters and we'll watch something uh, by myself. I yes. do like movies by myself. There's one. Same here. Yeah, that's fun. Especially, I like the 10 o'clock in the morning matinees when no uh, one's there. Those are nice. Yeah, those yeah, are nice. Yeah. But anyway. Well, if we can't find you in the middle of the day now, we'll know where you are. Yeah, going. exactly. Sneak out of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see like the 10 a.m. Saturday morning at, you know, the movie theater. Mm. But what, it's neat, a fellow priest and I, what we've been doing, we've been seeing every Marvel movie, Father John Thomas in Atlantic mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. We just planned, now we're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2 oh, in two nice. months. We already have it booked. So, Great. <laughs> um, so, Mike, the last question. Uh, we know, unfortunately, that you are a Yankee fan. Mm. Um, too bad unfortunately, we, we have lots of Yankee fan listeners. Yes, I know. Don't say careful, unfortunately. Right? Can, I know, yeah. I'm sorry. And you know, I told you, I grew up in a, a biracial household. We are both Phillies fans and uh, Yankees fans. I'm, so. No, I am kidding. Full disclosure, I have a lot of lovely family uh, that are Yankee fans. So um, I think it comes more from them nagging on me in the 90s because the Yankees were so good and the Phillies were so bad. So, um, but the Yankees, I can respect them. But it seems like, getting back to the question, this year the Yankees and Phillies are kind of, they're younger teams, they're getting, uh, it's going to be exciting to see. So I don't think they're going to be in contention. But do you see a team, do you have a World Series prediction? World Series prediction. Who's going to be in the World Series? What two teams and who's going to win? win? Yeah. Okay, so look at the American League first. The Red Sox kind of loaded up this year, but I just read today, breaking news before coming in, that David Price, their star lefty pitcher, is having an MRI in his left elbow. Oh, no. Oh, so there's my a chance gosh. he could Tommy be John. out. Could be. That left elbow is always <laughs> oh, dangerous. Wow. So you're getting your, your news info a few days behind here. I'm <laughs> heard of folks. Talking Catholic, that's right. Um, so, and I can never pick the Red Sox to win, right, as a Yankee fan. Um, so I'll say, you know what, I really wanted – I was excited for the Cubs last year, but the Indians are a great team. They've also added some really nice pieces. Um, I really like their manager, Terry Francona. So yeah. we'll go Cleveland. We'll return. And let's say Cleveland wins it this year. We'll okay. just skip right, yep. to the, cut right to the chase. I'd we'll like that. I'd be very Cleveland. happy with We'll be Cleveland happy for win. them. Yep. Um, and the, the Cubs are still, like, incredibly good. Um, but they, like, they set these records for certain statistics last year. BABIP, batting average, balls in play, historically low. We're getting, like, really into the weeds for our baseball fan <laughs> listeners. They're just saying they got a little bit lucky last year, I think. And uh, I think they'll come back to earth a little. Um, so we'll say, how about the Dodgers? They're a nice classic team that could be due, have a lot of nice pieces, spend a huge amount of yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say Dodgers, Cleveland, and then Cleveland in six. Why not? Okay. I'm on board. Here in February, March. Actually, no, we are in March now. March, March 2nd. 2nd. Yes. So... There's your March 2nd prediction. In for seven months, we'll see. We'll, we'll play it back. That. We'll be back. We'll, we'll be talking about sabermetrics and who won, all that stuff. I love it. That, that's <laughs> awesome that you mentioned Made it. Made it into talking Catholic. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Now it's time for the plugs. So, All right. What? You want just how people can find me and get yeah, in touch? Well, uh, you can give your email address, your Twitter, your Twitter, where, yeah. where they can find your columns. Yep. Certainly on the Catholic Star Herald from time to time, but, yes. but elsewhere. Yes. Okay. So uh, Facebook page is one place to find us. That's facebook.com slash Camden Life Justice, or you can just Google that. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at uh, at Life Justice Min, M-I-N, which is short for ministry. Um, a blog, which is camdenlifejustice.wordpress.com, one long word there. Um, you can email me at michael.lasky, L-A-S-K-E-Y at camdendiocese.org. 
you can find some of my columns. I, I guess the most regular column is uh, through the National Catholic Reporter and their Young Voices section. Um, so you just Google National Catholic Reporter Young Voices. I had one last week about Lent, so you can go find that on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think those are the things. Do bring okay. food to church with you on Sunday, April the 2nd. Participate and help us hit, set our record again for the Faithful Food Drive. That's all I got. Excellent. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much for being here. This has been another episode of Talking Catholic. Peter, you have a very good week. We will see each other again next week or, you know, in an hour or so when we <laughs> have a meeting. Sounds good, Mike. Okay. Thank you, Mike and Mike. It's always joyful. Thank you. <laughs>